So the mind games class existed in conjunction. So at any point, if you missed any of those, it's fine because they all stand independently. But for the mind games or for the, what are we in? I to us. <laughs> for the I to us, they're building blocks, right? And so just as you need one plus one, I need to know that before you can get all the way up to, you know, quadratic formulas. Um, that's the way that this is going to work because you can't have, you can't have healthy boundaries if you don't have healthy com uh, communication and then you can't have healthy um, conflict resolution, which is what we're talking about tonight, uh, without being able to have good communication and good boundary setting skills. And so this is going to build off, uh, build together. And so we're going to have a great time. So let's go ahead and ask the Lord's help and then we're going to dive in. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for your son and for the finished work on the cross. Father, I pray that you would meet with us here in this time. Help us to learn how to have better relationships um, and be good stewards of those relationships to give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I told you guys that I'm going to be splitting these up between my pastor hat and my therapist hat just so I can make sure uh, that we're looking at it from both perspectives. And so that's what we're going to start off with, okay? The pastor hat. The pastor hat. Now, um, these different components that we're going to look at, of course, I gave you the best I could do on the bifold, but you know my rule. If you really want to get the full breadth of all the things, you should have a what? A notebook. All right? You want to bring a notebook. You don't bring a notebook, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, especially tonight. Okay? So let's look at it first. So the first thing, we're jumping right into it with the pastor hat. All right? Healthy conflict resolution. Number one. Pursue wisdom prior to engaging in conflict. Pursue wisdom prior to engaging in conflict. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. It's important to look at this, that if you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be be given to him. So let's break this down a little bit. Why should we, why should we pursue wisdom? Why should we pursue wisdom? Wisdom is akin to the Greek word, Greek word sophos, which translates to clear or clarity. So if you're going to God and asking him for wisdom, it's because there is, uh, you're muddled at some point in the process. Somewhere in there you don't quite understand or maybe there's some confusion um, that's happening and so you're not sure where you should go or how you should handle it. That is why we pursue wisdom. Now this is free. You have, you have knowledge, which is what you get from learning information, right? And after you get knowledge, you then get wisdom okay and then wisdom is your ability to apply that information so a lot of the, the illustration that i like to use is that i can get on youtube in fact it's how i learned i got on youtube and i figured look typed in how do you change your car oil right and so i got on youtube and i i saw that okay you want to make sure your car is turned off for a little while so that the oil doesn't burn you right then you put it up on the jack you put aluminum foil that's the getaway that's the way i did it underneath it and then you unscrew unless your mechanics are trying to rob you and they want you to come in. But usually you can get it off yourself. Right? You unscrew the canister and let all the oil drain into the pan. And then after that's done, it's done draining, you get some new oil and you kind of kind of lubricate the hole a little bit. And then what you do is you put on the new canister, right? And then you pour in all your five quarts of oil and then you let it run through your system and you're all done. Ta-da! Now, did me learning how to change my oil from YouTube make my oil in my car automatically change? 
No. I learned how to do it, but then I'm going to have to, now I'm going to have to apply it, right? But then wisdom takes it a step further. Wisdom lets me know that I don't have to change my oil every day. Correct? So wisdom, pursuing wisdom is important because it provides clarity. It provides clarity. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So not only is it for clarity, but asking God is the best option. Asking God is the best option. There's no other place for you to be able to get the wisdom that you need in order to handle a conflict than going to God himself, who is the embodiment of truth, who is the embodiment of clarity, who is the embodiment of wisdom. He knows all and has all the answers. God's heart is also to give you wisdom freely, right? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. Or freely, God's heart and God's desire is not for you to dwell in a place of confusion. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have it freely. God's heart is not to withhold the clarity from you. So it creates the juxtaposition of not only does God want you to have it, but God's not going to withhold it from you either. I want you to see it in the verse. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. That's the freely. And upbraideth not. It's not entangled. It's not going to be this this. this difficult task for you to have to meander through in order to get god wants you to have it and have it freely and he's not going to withhold it from you and then it's a promise it's a promise if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it might be given to you is that what it says there's a good chance that it might be given to you hey if you stick it out long enough you might get it just see no and it shall be given him that's a promise that's a promise now asterisk because there's always an asterisk right first that doesn't mean it's on your timetable it's not on your timetable i think that's the hardest part that we have as christians sometimes is when we're asking god for clarity we want god to give us clarity now and it might not be for you to have the clarity now maybe the you now can't handle the clarity that the you later is going to have right? So it doesn't mean on your timetable. It doesn't second, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen the way you expected it. It doesn't happen the way that you expected it. I think sometimes we forget that God's answer is still an answer, even if it's not the answer that we wanted. And we wrestle with God sometimes on that because like, God, I prayed for this. Did you pray for God's will? Did you pray for a yes? Did you pray for God's will? Did you want it to go your way? but on God's timetable and the way that he expected it. So if you're, if you're walking into a conflict, and remember, this is not just romantic, this is platonic also. If you're walking into a conflict, you're getting ready to confront someone, you're preparing yourself for some form of altercation, would you ask God for his help? For his wisdom? God, I'm getting ready to have a very tough conversation. And I really want this to go well. Will you guide my tongue? Will you give me the words to say? Would you prepare their heart? Would you prepare mine? That we will be able to minister grace to the hearer. Going to God first, pursuing that wisdom, okay? Pursuing that wisdom. So again, his heart's not to withhold anything from you. His promise is giving you how he ordained it to be, okay? The second thing, uh, biblical approach to conflict resolution, healthy conflict. Number one, Pursue wisdom prior to engaging in conflict. Number two, go to the person and express your hurt. 
Go to the person and express your hurt. Matthew 18, 15 says this, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. So there are stages to this. There are stages to this. What should you know? If you're getting ready to talk to someone, you're getting ready to confront someone, to express your hurt to them, the first thing is breaking down this verse, if your brother offends you, don't discount the relationship. It didn't say if a stranger offends you. It didn't say if some Joe Schmo uh, offends you. It said if your brother offends you. Now, if you're sitting here in this room and you're working on, you're wanting to know what's going to happen with this conflict resolution, I'd love to think that it's because you love me and you love my teaching. But chances are there's somewhere in your life that there is some form of conflict that you're trying to work through. Or you want to get better at communicating with people in your life currently. Remember who they are to you? That's your spouse. That's your brother. It's your sister. It's your niece. That's your kid. That's your coworker. That's your neighbor. You know them. You have a level of relationship with them. And I tell my couples all the time, I tell my families on the, all the time, you are on the same team. You are on the same team. We're going to talk more about that here a little bit. So if your brother offends you, don't discount the relationship. The next part, right, is take time to talk to the person. Take time to talk to the person. And so the scripture breaks it down for us again. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So if you're going to do this, right, now that we're remembering that who this person is to me, what am I going to do? First off, if you do it, kill the audience. Kill the audience. Some of us get a rise sometimes of wanting to confront someone or tell someone about themselves in the midst of all the other people around them. Don't fight in front of your kids. Kill the audience. Don't wait until you're at the family dinner with everyone to have a fight. Wait till you get in the car. Kill the audience. Because some, some things happen. Number one, this is free. Y'all get a bunch of free stuff tonight. I don't know how we're going to finish on time. All right? First, your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people who love you are not going to be as forgiving as you are. What does that mean? That if you get into a fight with someone that you care about and you go, let me tell you about Xavier, that boy's a bum. Can't stand him. He's a mean jerk. This is all the things that he's done to me. Guess what's going to most likely happen? We're going to make up. But now the people that you've gone to and expressed all those things about, they're going to, that's now the image that they have in their mind that you created. That you created. And you may not be able to, to undo that, but second, be careful about being able to embarrass the person. Remember what I said about communication, that 75% of conflicts are, are miscommunications, right? And 75% of those miscommunications are misunderstandings. It's important to remember that. That's why it's important to make sure you give them the courtesy of a private conversation. You don't have to embarrass them with an audience, okay? So if you do it, kill the audience. But if you do it, and you, after you do that, you kill the audience, you have a better chance of being heard. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, that's where I want to stop. Who doesn't like being heard? In communication, I said there's three things I said to look out for. I said, number one, be, a clear, be clear and concise. I said, watch out for your body language. And who knows what the third thing was? Be and... Huh? 
Communication, clear communicator, clear concise. Watch your body language. What's the third one? Active listener. Thank you. Don't be scared. We're all friends in here. An active listener. Who doesn't like being heard? You have the highest chance of you being able to be heard if you do that in a place that's respectful. You do it in a place that's private, where there's not an audience, you're not embarrassing them, and then it, lets, it takes it a step further. Tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. So if you do it, you kill the audience, and you're heard, you have the highest chance for resolution. And that's where I, I, I'm going to stop there for that, because I want us to be able to, to talk about that a little bit later. Okay? Third. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. The next couple parts are going to be ones that we've heard already. And why is that? Because they compound, right? I told you that this is going to work in tandem, not in conjunction. So you're going to see elements of all of these as we move through these eight weeks sprinkled in and out of here because they're going to build off of each other. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If you missed the whole section on that, go back to session one on the podcast. We took a long time talking about it. Okay? Respond in tenderness, number four. Respond in tenderness. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It's another one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Where we said that if we're not careful, we begin to use words that we conjure up that we use that will end up hurting both us and the person. Got to be very careful about the way that you wield your words. We talked about how the, the Bible talks about how the tongue is a little member, but it does a lot of damage, right? It's an unruly fire. It's a deadly poison. Just like the hull of the boat or the bit in the horse's mouth, it can do a lot of damage if you're not careful. Try a little tenderness. It goes a long way, okay? Number five, check your motives. Check your motives. We're talking about how to engage in healthy conflict resolution from the Bible. First, pursue wisdom prior to engaging in the conflict. Second, go to the person and express your hurt. Go to you and them alone. Third, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Fourth, respond in tenderness. Five, check your motives. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And I really think that this verse could have been the theme verse for the entire thing, because I think it's going to be, I think it's a great embodiment of what we're, I'm trying to convey in this series. And so let's break it down a little bit. If you're going to do it, Right? If you're going to engage in the conflict and you're the one engaging, what do we see from this? First, they shouldn't be done in strife, contention, or provocation. Let nothing be done through strife. Nothing be done through strife, contention, or provocation. All of those things will make things worse, not better. So if you're going to engage in conflict resolution with someone and your heart is not restoration and your heart is not reconciliation, you are not ready for that conversation. I'm going to say it again. If your heart is not restoration and your heart is not reconciliation, you are not ready for that conversation. You're not. Because it's not going to go well. 
It's not going to go well. Not if your heart on it is to, to strive with them. Not if your goal is to be contentious. Not if your goal is to provoke. You don't want to fix it. We're going to talk more about that in a second. This shouldn't be done in a way that glorifies self. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So they shouldn't be done in a way that glorifies self or is desirous that you're the one that comes out on tops. Your eyes shouldn't be fixed on self and what you'll get from it. Remember we talked about boundaries last week a little bit and we were talking about how if you're th looking out for the other person, there will be no lapse in coverage. Remember that? Someone nod your head yes to tell me that you remember. Yes. But if you're looking out for self, you both suffer. You both suffer. You got to be careful about that. Not to strive for blatant glory. I want to be glorified. I want to win. I said this on Facebook earlier this week. Do you want to win or do you want to salvage the relationship? You got to be careful. Some of us want to be right so bad and being right is not a wrong thing. But sometimes we want to be right instead of being tactful. We want to be right instead of being gentle. We want to be right instead of trying to figure out how we can fix this. Because sometimes being right is going to cost you the relationship and you didn't have to. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. But if you're going to do things, fix your eyes on the things of others. The verse says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Fix your eyes on others. We talked about this again. If you're looking out for each other, no one gets left behind. No one is left without. But if I get focused on just me and my needs, me and my needs, guess what? If my needs are taken care of, then so is Kalea's. If Kalea's needs are taken care of, so are mine. How does that work? Because if we're looking out for each other, even when I better me, that automatically puts me in a position to be better for us. That's the whole premise of this entire thing. Shifting our mindset from I to us and from me to we. So whenever you're engaging in conflict with your spouse, with your partner, how am I, how is this going to affect us? I'm, getting in, I'm engaging with conflict with me and my children. How am I thinking for I and how am I thinking for us? Well, I'm thinking about my coworkers. You know, sometimes two people getting into it at work can destroy the entire rapport of the entire department. And then guess what happens when what's supposed to be a team does not play well together. Projects start getting falling apart, start missing elements, and then the whole company suffers. You got to start thinking that it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. You have to start thinking for the entire unit. This next one, y'all are not going to like that much. Repentance should be met with forgiveness. Conflict resolution. You're preparing to fight, right? You're preparing for this, you're, you're, you're preparing for this, this knockdown drag out that you're going to have. What's going to happen when they, when they ask for forgiveness? Let's look at the Bible so you can't say I'm making stuff up. Luke 17, 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, what does it say? Forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt finish it. Yeah, I don't even sound convicted about it. Thou shalt forgive him. Forgive him. 
Repentance should be met with forgiveness. So let's break this down a little bit. All right. So we're start off by being told we should be mindful, right? Take heed to yourselves means to be mindful, to pay attention to, to express concern for. Pay attention to this. If someone trespasses against you, it lets us know first to rebuke them. It's okay to rebuke, to admonish, to correct. Sometimes I think that we think that it's wrong to be mad. The Bible never says it's wrong to be mad. The Bible actually says, be angry, but who can finish it? And sin not. You know why being angry is not a problem? Because being angry is an emotion and you're allowed those. If someone is doing something wrong, if they're infringing, if they're trespassing against you, the word trespass means to miss the mark with no opportunity to receive the reward. Someone misses the mark for you, you have the right to go before them and say, hey, you blew that. In a more tactful way, of course. Rebuke them. You are okay and you are correct in doing so. Rebuke when there has been a breakdown in communication. Rebuke when there has been no respect of boundaries. Rebuke when you have found yourself in conflict. But this next part is interesting. It says, and if he repent, Wait a minute. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent. Uh-oh. Someone tell me real quick. What is so important about the word if? Someone raise your hand. What's so important about if he, if he repents? What's important about that? Yes. Sorry? Don't expect them to? Great. Yep. What else? Okay. Explain. Sorry, I put you on the spot. If then, if, if something isn't happening, then mm-hmm. you're not expected to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're both right. Absolutely correct. The if is so big. You know why? Because it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. I think we automatically expect sometimes that just because I confronted you, that automatically means that you will repent. And that's not guaranteed. And I think we get hung up on that because then we go to someone and say, hey, you did this, you did X, Y, and Z, and it hurt me, and you really want them to say sorry, and what happens if they don't? What happens if they're not repentant? Remember, the word repentant means to be going in one direction to stop, about face, and go in the other direction. What happens if they are unwilling to fix it? That's what we have to remember. It says if. If he repents, they may not. They may not. It's not guaranteed. And expecting it can backfire on you. Here's some more free stuff. If your goal, I'm going to get close to the mic here. If your goal is behavior modification when you confront, that is going to blow all the way up in your face. I'm going to say it again. If your goal in confrontation is behavior modification, that is going to blow up in your face. You know why? Because when we come before someone and ask them for behavior modification, that is, comes with an ultimatum. Fix this or else. And baby, if you say that, you better mean it. You better mean it. You better mean it. Why? Because now you've created a boundary. Oh, that's session two. And what happens when they say, okay, let's see if you really mean that. And lots of people, that's where they break down 
is because they didn't really mean it. They just said what they wanted to say, what they felt they needed to say, hoping that if they swung for that fence, they'd hit it. And what happens when you miss? And they call your bluff. The goal in confrontation should not be behavior modification. The goal should be expression. You being a defense of you. You being a defender of you. If you step on my toe because I'm going to defend Xavier, I'm going to tell you that you did it. Because my feelings are going to be valid whether you validate them or not. But if I tell you that and I don't and you don't and you don't repent, you don't you don't seek to fix it, I have to be okay with that. I have to move accordingly. Because I set a boundary and you crossed it, disrespecting the boundary. So now I have to decide, am I going to stay still or am I going to go? Am I going to go? The purpose, of, the purpose of approaching people with these issues is to, to be a defender of yourself, to express yourself so that you can validate your own experience just in case they don't. Now, asterisk, asterisk. The way that, here's a little sociology, but the way that this should work is if I come before you and say, hey, you've done this thing to hurt me, the correct response should be that I'm sorry. And I will do everything in my power to not do that ever again to you. That's the correct response, so hear me in that. But it's not a guaranteed response. We have to be careful about that. It does not say when. It says if. I want to highlight that. If. So not only if, but if he repents. Let's say he go ahead and he does, right? If he repents, you are to forgive him. You are to forgive him. It says it here. And if he trespass against thee, or if, if, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive. Forgive. Again, repentance means to be going in one direction, to stop about face and go back the other direction. You are to forgive. Forgive means to clear someone of an offense as if they have never done it. Ooh. But he said, I know. But she said, I know. I know. But if you're going to make the choice to forgive, it means to clear of the offense as if it never happened. By the way, that's how our sin looks to God. When I die and stand before an almighty God, or unless Jesus comes back early and comes and snatches me up, whichever one happens first. And I stand before an almighty God. He's not going to see Xavier Small. He's going to see the righteousness of the blood of the risen lamb. And when I say, God, what about my sin? He's going to say, your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. I don't even know that existed. Cleared. Does that mean that God forgot my sin? See, I think sometimes we forget that we're human beings. And that, that doesn't automatically mean that you'll forget. But you can clear the offense. And that's why I always say, don't say move on. Move on is invalidating. But move forward says, I'm going to take all of these things that exist in our past and use them to propel me forward to be a better person and to be a, for us to be a better us. I'm considering that as I make the change. You're to forgive them. You're to forgive them. Clear them, and here's the, here's the part that's a little harder. 
as if he misses that mark and trespasses against you seven times in a day, you are to forgive each time. Now, here are some important notes. Okay? Here's some important notes. If someone is truly repentant, that shouldn't happen. You understand that, right? Can we say yes, we understand that? If someone is truly repentant, it should not be happening that frequently. Because a repent is just not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, and moving on. It's a changing of the mind and going in a different direction. If I'm going this way, then I should not end up over there. So if someone has truly repented, then that should not be the case. But a change of mind will translate to action. But as often as someone seeks to have their offense cleared, you are commanded to clear it. If they are repentant, you are commanded. It is not a suggestion. It is not a recommendation. If he trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if you rebuke him and he repents, you forgive him. And if he does it seven more times in the day, but he's repenting over it, you've got to forgive him. That's hard. Because if you were truly, you were going to say sorry. It's not about being sorry. It's about being repentant. Being repentant. Now, some hot takes. This does not mean restore. We're going to talk about that next week. This does not mean be a doormat. We'll save that also for next week. This does not mean if they're sorry, but if they've repented and are seeking forgiveness, you are biblically commanded to forgive them. I'm going to take it a step further. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if God says, if your brother trespass against thee and you rebuke him and he repents, forgive him and you don't forgive him, then guess what you're walking in? And Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So not only are you in sin, but you have severed your connection between you and God. And now you are just as in the wrong oh, as they are. Pastor, that's hard. I didn't say it was easy. But necessary. Who have you not forgiven? Who's in here holding the grudge? Who's listening to this podcast and holding a grudge? That you've got to let it go. I take it back. I don't like let it go. We've got to move forward. You have to move forward. Oh, 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 oh. And this is, I'm, I'm just, just going to dip my toe in this part because I want to save it for next week. I'm just going to dip my toe in. All right? Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. Hold on to that, okay? Hold on to that. Put it in your back pocket because I'm going to walk all up over that next week. Okay? Remember that. So really quickly, number one, from with my pastor hat, pursue wisdom but prior to engaging in conflict. Number two, go to the person and express your hurt. Number three, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Number four, respond in tenderness. Number five, check your motives. Check your motives. Number six, repentance should be met with forgiveness. And now we're going to switch to my therapist hat. I don't know which hat I like better. They're both pretty fun. All right? Some pretty quick practical things. Are you ready? Therapist hat. Only communicating when you want to is not effective communication. Only communicating when you want to 
is not effective communication. I'm about to get all up in your business. Your nonverbal communication, what kind of vibes are you giving off? Hmm? What kind, of, what kind of vibes are you giving off? Because here's the truth. We talk about being aware, but some of us are very aware of what we're putting off. And it's on purpose. How, how do you dictate your thoughts and feelings? Are you clear in your presentation? Are you rational in your presentation? Are you communicating from a place of emotion? Now, true or false, emotions are wrong. True or false, emotions are wrong. False. But you have to get into the habit of not speaking from subjectivity, but objectivity. Subjectivity is when you allow your emotions to drive you. Objectivity says, I'm going to consult my feelings and then respond appropriately still. Are you communicating from a place of emotion? Or you com are you communicating from a place of rationality? Are you dictating your thoughts and feelings with clarity? What kind of vibes are you giving off? What about the personality styles? We touched on that. We touched on that. Consider those. My passive people are anti-conflict, but they're prone to get walked on. My passive aggressive people are still anti-conflict, but they feel hurt by other people. And so they begin to show it in unhealthy and subtle ways when they slam the door and when they give you the cold shoulder and when they say nothing's wrong, but really something actually is, right? It's, one of, it's some of those different things. It's unhealthy. Slamming the door, silent treatment. My aggressive people, they've had enough. And so now they have explosive anger and they're giving hurtful words and they're very touchy and they're extremely irritable. But only the people who are walking in assertiveness, clear communications of needs and feelings and intentions without being emotionally distraught are going to see the most healthy conflict resolution. And the great thing about that is, is that every single person in this room and every single person listening on this podcast later has the ability to be an assertive person. But you have to be able to be clear in how you speak. You got to be clear of your body language. You got to be a clear communicator. You got to be an active listener. You have to walk, work towards saying, this is my issue. You get, and here's the thing. I'm not sure about y'all, but I hate having the stuff just looming. I hate that. I hate when it's like three days and we're still mad. Can we be done? Ugh. And you know what's funny? It usually takes one person to say, hey, I'm sorry. And the other person's like, me too. Why not make the first move? Why not make the first move? Number one, only communicating what you want is not effective communication. Number two, the purpose of your confrontation is important. Now I'm about to give y'all some of the freest of the free. And this is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever given ever. This section right here, okay? Put a star by this. I'm gonna read this quote. Conflict will either be constructive or destructive depending on how you handle it. To make conflict constructive and productive, use a blueprint. Think about what you want the outcome to be. So I have a question for you. Are you confronting to fight or are you confronting to fix? What's your goal? What's your goal? Because I mean, when we were looking at the pastor hat, we had said to make sure that we don't do it in in vainglory, for strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And so that's not going to fly with this part. Are you confronting to fight or are you confronting to fix? 
Let's look at them individually. Confronting to fight, confrontation doesn't have to be a bad thing. The mentality that you have going into it plays a big part. So if I go into it and I say, well, confrontation is usually bad, so I'm going to expect it to go bad, well, then baby, it's going to go bad. But if you walk into the confrontation saying, I want to restore, I want us to be in a better place than we were, then you walk into it with a different mentality. What's your goal? To tell them off? To let off some steam? To light them up because they deserve it? This has no real goal except I'm angry and I need to express that. And these almost never end well. If all we want to do is fight, then you have your reward. But there will be no growth from that. As a matter of fact, it has a high chance to make things worse. But when you confront to fix, your mentality shifts from, fight, from just fighting to understanding and conflict resolution. And it changes a lot of things. It changes stuff like your tone. It changes stuff like your tone. You don't sound so degrading. You don't sound so accusatory. Your tone. It changes the statements you make. It shifts things from you're just a to I feel like. And it changes because now it puts the focus on the problem and not fighting the person. If there is one thing in my life that's going to cause a fight, it's Rowan. It's Rowan. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be terrible twos. It could be the fact that that baby has kept you up all night and you're both wildly exhausted. It could be the fact, mom, that you've been breastfeeding all day and that baby sucked all the life out of you and you don't have any energy and any patience for anyone or anything. And it's just the fact that you're both tired and irritable and drained that now instead of speaking to the fact that hey what we really need is a break call your mother <laughs> to come watch this kid so we can get some time to ourselves instead you're lazy you don't do anything all you do is and now you're attacking the prop the person instead of the problem truth is the project that you guys are working on at work is really hard and you're really struggling with your part, but instead of reaching out for, for help and saying, you know what, I'm having a difficult time, can someone assist me? You're taking your anger out on your coworkers. You're attacking people instead of the problem. You can be angry, but you're expressing that anger in a way that not only communicates your anger, hurt, and frustration, but solutions or goals that you have to fix the problem. Here's the truth, most of us confront, but we don't have any solutions to back that up. I just want to be mad at you. All right, so what should we do with this? Uh, I don't really even know. I mean, I didn't get that far. I just, uh, I just knew I was mad. <laughs> then you weren't ready for that conversation. Because all you did then was tear down and complain. You did not contribute any solution. Very seldom that we, do we learn that someone complains and sees something done about it. It's more often when you're communicating your desires for healing and understanding that you gain things like forgiveness, restoration. These should always be the goal in conflict resolution. And if you feel as though you are not in a position for restoration or to confront to fix, then you are not ready to confront. And if you do so anyway, you are out of line. 
because now you're gonna say some things that you don't mean or things that you did mean but weren't gonna say that way and now you have to go to not only your friend or coworker or spouse or child and forget and ask for forgiveness but you have to go to God too because if the Bible says if you know if we regard iniquity in my heart then the Lord will not hear us and we also know that to them that know to do good and do with it not to him it is sin so you're in sin with both with two people fix it and that's why if it's not helpful, kind, or necessary, I'm at a fourth or the right time, then shh. You're not ready for the conversation. But what happens if they're reading my body language and they see that I'm down in the dumps? I need some time. I will come and I will talk to you about it when I'm ready. But a minute too soon is going to be out of line. Don't do it. You're going to hear my voice in the back of your head saying, don't do it. You're bubbling over, but you know you're not ready. You know you're not ready. Be careful. Number three, criticism will be destructive if it's not care-structive. Criticism will be destructive if it's not care-structive. Pastor, what do you mean? You must consider how what you say will be received. True or false? You are responsible for someone else's emotions. False. False. But you are responsible to consider them. You are responsible to consider them. Are you talking to them or are you talking at them? Are you talking to them or are you talking down to them? Are you attacking the problem or are you attacking the person? Think about, take a second and think about the last conflict that you were involved in. How'd you handle it? How'd you handle that coworker, your neighbor, your aunt, your son, your daughter, your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend? How'd you handle it? Did you edify them with your speech or did you tear them down? Did you tear them down and now that, that problem is still left undealt with? Which means that there's a higher probability that you're going to come back and attack them again. <sighs> because you're dealing with branches and not with the root. If you are going to criticize, it has to be care-structive, constructive. Am I going to be better from what you've told me or is it just going to hurt me and break me down and make me more introspective and not do what you asked me to do anyway? Drive a bigger wedge between us. You got to be careful. And that leads into the fourth and last thing for tonight. Conflict resolution must be tactful or it won't work. It will not go well if your confrontation, your conflict resolution is not tactful. If you're learning, if you're paying attention through the last now three weeks, is that you're going to have to be very aware of yourself and very aware of the other person, no matter what manner of relationship that it is. What do you mean? We talked about this a little bit before, but who processes, who processes quickly? Who needs more time? Who are my quick processors in the room? You don't need much time at all. You know exactly where you want to go and what you want to say and how you want to do it. That's me. 
I'm quick. I mean, I critical think for a living, so that's the way that that works. Who are the ones that can say, Pastor, I'm the one that needs more time? It's me. I'm a little bit slower. I got to kind of like chew on it a little bit and I got to sort my emotions a little bit. How many of us don't know which one we are? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I saw another hand go like this. <laughs> it's okay, and it's okay. But that's why we talked about in this that self-awareness is the first step. It's how to do some exploring, baby. Figure out who you, who you are, what you like, and what you need. Are you validating the offended's position? Even if they're wrong, it's theirs. You hearing me? Even if they're wrong, it's theirs. So here's what you absolutely should refrain from doing. And I hate this. You shouldn't say hate a lot, but I hate this expression that I'm going to say. I'm sorry you feel that way. Just, just don't even say anything. That expression makes me fighting mad. How invalidating can you be? When you say, I'm sorry you feel that way, how much, if I say, I'm sorry you feel that way, how much accountability did I, did I take just now? Zero. Big fat goose egg. None of it. Sorry you feel that way. Correction. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. And that's the best shot you've got to fix the issue. Because they're not going to hear anything else until their emotions are quelled. You know that, right? Like, you need to leave here tonight knowing that. That if they are emotionally heightened, y'all are not getting anything done. Nothing. You got to deal with those emotions first. And then you come back around later on and say, hey, can we talk about what happened earlier? Now you are talking to them on your turf and not theirs. I'd like to explain what I meant by. And that's going to be accepted. But if I'm fighting mad and you come and tell me first, I'm sorry you feel that way, I'm already not hearing you. Number two, you try to explain what you did, I don't really care why you did what you did. I don't care. Not even a little bit. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm embarrassed. I'm irritated. I'm raging mad. That's got to be dealt with first. And you do that by validating the offended's feelings. If someone expresses to you that you've hurt them, the only acceptable response is, I have hurt you and I am sorry. Period. No buts, no asterisks, no semicolons, nothing. I have hurt you and I am sorry. That is it. And if someone has brought that to you, then you know, your, you know your job. If your brother trespasses against you, and you rebuke them, and they repent, forgive. Period. But what if, mm, nope. There are no buts. There are no buts. Forgive, lest your Father in Heaven not forgive you. Ooh. By not forgiving, you shoot your own self in the foot. But what if, mm, mm, 
Again, are you handling the, per the problem or the person? And this is a big problem in many relationships. They don't handle the problems during the problems. You've got to handle the emotions during the problem and handle the problem later on after the problem. What? <laughs> Do not handle the problem in the problem. Handle the emotions in the problem. You handle the problem after the problem is over. You've got to circle back around to it. Now, there might be some times where you actually are in the wrong and you've got to go ahead and make it right and what you did was absolutely what they said. Great. But also be careful about when you circle back around that you're still not trying to make an excuse for what you did because that's not acceptable either. If you know that you are wrong, that you have to fix it, own that. Own it. It has to be tactful or it's not going to go well. Janet comes to you and says, I really feel like you undermined me in front of your mother tonight. And that made me really upset. The response sometimes can be, that wasn't my intention. Wrong response. What I really meant was, wrong response. What's the correct response? Someone raise your hand and tell me. I need someone who was paying attention. Raise your hand and tell me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did that, you're right, and I'm sorry. We have to be mindful of that. But then you come back around later. Hey babe, can we talk about that dinner last night? I'd like to talk to you about your feeling of being undermined that you mentioned. Or oh, this allows discourse over the motives, intentions, and mutually established plan for it to not happen again. So there is now long-term benefit by coming back and dealing with it later. Last night when Janet was upset was not the time for discourse. It was a time to own a mistake, make it right, and find another time later to work on making sure that it doesn't happen again. You want to be someone that's good at conflict resolution? Pursue wisdom prior to engaging in conflict. Go to the person and express your hurt. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Respond in tenderness. Check your motives. Make sure that repentance is met with forgiveness. Only communicating what you want, when you want, is not effective communication. You have to know the purpose of your confrontation. You have to realize that criticism will be destructive if it's not care-structive or constructive. Conflict resolution must be tactful or it won't go well. The great thing is that it's never too late to fix it. It's never too late to fix it. But you have to be able to be intentional, honest, and own when you're in the wrong. And when someone has owned that they're in the wrong, you have to be willing to forgive them. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son, for the finished work on the cross. Father, I pray that you would help us to be individuals who are good stewards of our relationships. Help us to practice healthy communication, healthy boundaries. Help us to engage in healthy conflict resolution. And God will give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen.